understated presents LA Underground with Lucan. Girl, I'll house you. Say what? LA Underground. Now give me something to dance to. Dance to. Understated LA. This is only the beginning. Clever the way everything blends together. And my sound's laid down by the underground. LA Underground. About Lucan. Lucan. You're listening to the Understated Recordings Podcast, L.A. Underground. Hello and welcome to Understated Presents L.A. Underground with me, Rukin. This is the 20th episode of the show and our final show of the year. And what a great year it's been for dance music and for the label and the LA Underground itself. Coming up in this show is an interview with one of the great producers in our scene right now. It's Bot. He's an LA resident, uh, obviously, via Italy. And we sat down and had a great chat about his journey and where he's at currently with his productions and where he's heading. And he also delivered an absolute corker of a guest mix which I know you're going to love, so hang around for that too. As usual, at the beginning of the episode, we showcase some tracks from the label, usually tracks that aren't released yet. But on this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different and showcase three tracks that were released during 2019 that had a particularly special place in our heart that understated. So kicking off the show this week, it's a track that saw the understated name go on the new white label imprint from Astral Works. It's a melodic, electro-tinged techno track from Montreal-based Luna. And this track led to an EP from Luna and brought on a whole new slew of remixes from Sizdeems, Kamaru, Ash, and Somi, and also one from one of our originals, Anakim. So this is the 28mm remix of Luna's Oblivion.
Next is a track that everybody was collectively excited about the label. It's just the perfect combination of moody, deep house music and funky breaks. This track's garnered massive support from the likes of J Flip, Party Boy 69, just to name a few. So keep an eye out for this artist. It's Garno, and this track is Pophos.
finally our third track that we're showcasing this week from 2019's releases is a personal favorite of mine and a track that I've been hammering from the day I received it. And this producer is a good friend and collaborator of our interview guest, Bot, coming up next. This is proper straight down the middle house music. This is Manolo and his track, Ronda. on to the interview part of the show and on this episode I sat down with the incomparable bot enjoy so I'm really excited to welcome to the LA underground studio today uh, a man that needs very little introduction but I'm going to give him one anyway it's bot and uh, for those of you who are less familiar with him he hails from Milan in Italy and really came to everybody's attention with uh, the act Crookers. They had a whole stream of hits, and then now Bot is in a new phase of his career under his current alias, and has really released on a who's who of the house music industry. Right now, he's on Box of Cats, but 
Uh, he's released on Dirty Bird, Realm, uh, Fool's Gold, Relief, Insomniac, you name it. He also, ha he also has released on his own label, Main Course, and um, he is prolific and relentless. And if you haven't seen him DJ, I have a couple of times, he's a beast. So uh, get out there and see him, and welcome to the studio, Bot. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure being here. And uh, flattering introduction, I gotta say. Very nice. Well, well-deserved. And one of the things that I'm really interested to talk to you about, you know, our show is about the LA Underground specifically. Yeah. And um, understated, for which this is the official podcast of, is really a linchpin for many crews in LA uh, and emerging artists from different crews uh, releasing on the label. Uh, Manolo, who you um, obviously have very close relationship with and uh, yeah. have a release out right now. Uh, my favorite from that release actually is My Face, which I've been yeah. playing whenever I can. It's it's an absolute, it's a beauty of a track. And we just started a new one yesterday, by the way. Exciting. Yeah, What's that going to be called? Do you know yet? No, no. We were just going to be, I think we're on the same page in the sense that we, we want to do more of a body of work and then decide what to do. So, you know, let's just do 10 tracks, figure out if we can have a few releases and if we can make it an actual project, um, both of us. Yeah, I'm trying to either not do many collaborations at this time or something like that, that has more of, I mean, now it sounds stupid, that has more of a story in a way, that has more like of a, not random collaboration with whoever comes through my studio, which is kind of what I've been doing um, a lot in the past, but more with Manolo, you know, we, we've been knowing each other for years and then at some point it just clicked. We, we were converging to the same kind of sounds and we already released three EPs this year together, which I just realized, like, wait a minute, really? It's crazy. So... So yeah, working more with him and uh, respect to you guys because yeah, you were the first ones who you released this first EP. Uh, yeah, um, and and it's I think his second one too. Oh, cool. Um, but uh, he's he's a, a lovely man and a, and a really talented producer. I guess it's really nice, isn't it, when you find your groove with somebody in the studio like that, and you you can just keep creating and and see what comes out of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't mean to be cheesy, but, and it's not entirely necessary if you have a creative collaboration, but it really helps if you're also friends. Because I think we were friends before trying to collaborate, which sometimes, even in my experience, is kind of rare because I start to collaborate usually with artists and then eventually we, we become friends. So, but the thing with Manolo was a bit, I feel more natural in a way because we were friends, maybe doing a little different kind of sounds. And then when we converge to the same sounds without any pressure, any like, let's do this so we can get released. It's just like, oh, he plays me something like, oh, maybe I have some ideas for that. Let's try to make it work because you are not happy with where it is and I have some ideas for it. That's how it started. And I think... Uh, yeah, in my many, many, many collaborations, this was one of the, the best way to go um, about 
about collaborating. It's not, it, it wasn't like decided before, okay, we should collaborate because you have the name, you, you know, maybe we can release something on this label. Let's do something on this style. It, it just happens the way organically and uh, I love this word now. And um, yeah, without forcing it, which is kind of when good stuff happens. If you know. And I think the other the other positive thing about working with friends as well is that there's a trust, isn't there? So when you're when you're criticizing um, the track that you're making, it's never taken personally. It's always about that thing you're creating because you have an understanding, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Actually, that's also one of the this, the real upsides of having a collaboration that that is born uh, under those these circumstances is. That you know that the person, if it's criticizing something that you're doing or not feeling a particular part, it's because they think that the track needs something else or it's just not fitting the track. They're not thinking about, oh, but if we want to get to this label, if you want to entice this audience, because I've had that and, and I had to actually like realize that people were doing that in their brains. Cause, and that's really not good for the studio. If I realize someone is like thinking in in that way, I try to cut it short because it's like there's no point. You know, I try to make the best music we can make together. And also I don't like to be married to it in a way. You know, if the song we don't really love it, let's just let it go. And uh, with, with many that's a perfect collaboration also in that, you know, if we can let go of a track. Well, sometimes when you collaborate with people and the track maybe is really not coming, but they really push to finish it and then you end up with something nobody likes. Yeah. Um, I think having your own quality control is so important, isn't it? And knowing where, where, where you've hit a creative dead end and, and you need to go on a new path. And I think that's really important. You know, I'm really interested um i mean we know your story um at least in terms of uh, your your musical journey um but what i'm really interested to talk to you about today is um your experience of the underground scene where you've been i mean both of us come from europe where uh, right. it's always been such a healthy subcultural scene the house music scene and very and thriving for all the way through the 90s and early 2000s um and You've been in LA for uh, five, six years now? Five. Five years? I realized today because I read a tweet about a friend of mine. He's like, oh, moved to America four years ago. I was like, wow, I moved a year before you, so it's five already. Yeah, it's five, actually. It's 2014, April. So, and how and how do you Four feel? That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it is amazing when how time flies, isn't it? Here, yeah, because it's, I mean, a park today, you know, I love it. Uh, but it's kind of Groundhog Day the whole year. It's, it looks right. like the same day every day. Uh, we're like right in the middle of a rainy patch, for those of you who are listening. Oh, yeah. That's what Bot's referring to. Lucky. But um, how, how do you feel the LA underground is unique versus the other underground scenes that you've experienced as an artist? And, and how is it affecting your creative process? I think... You know, the LA Underground, like if I have to, if I can go back to the beginning of your questions, like where I think we might have a similar background growing up. Uh, yes, you know, in, in Europe, we grew up 
and I don't need to to say it in a people will think like maybe I'm douche or something. But we we kind of grew up with with a real underground uh, scene that was very defined. It was not you go to a club that can do underground and not underground. It was like some places just underground and it's they go on for two days and you know for me it was just house music and i was uh young and uh you know luckily they weren't very strict so at 16 maybe i could get in the club and i still have like hundreds of cassette tapes of everyone from 92 not 89 actually because i was collecting them but where i went was 95 96 and it was all these like classic house people like Like Frankie Knuckles was a resident Echoes in Rimini in 92. Whole some, you know, I have all these cassette tapes. Incredible. And uh, so we were spoiled, I think, because I grew up on Frankie Knuckles, Tony Humphries, uh, all the, you know, Louis Vega, all the Masterwork thing, and all those, those legends. And um, so I think coming from that, I have a bit of a different perspective that here maybe you can see in people who, I don't know if you experienced, but if you go to places like Chicago, Detroit, you can experience that the people there have more of a culture like that. If anything, I find that now, given my age, unfortunately, uh, there's there's people who grew up there who, whose parents were listening to that music. And I think linking back, coming back to LA, that in LA does not exist. There's no tradition of electronic music here. There's a rave culture tradition, but that's not necessarily like a bad thing in the way that then you can shape it uh, from scratch and you don't have to like follow what was before. But uh, in, in that sense, I think the underground here is quite... Um, the only thing I would describe as underground is the warehouse parties that you know, they give you the address, maybe the day off. Uh, everything else does not really look very underground to me at all, but that's probably the state everywhere. And um, not really complaining, but I think I think there's still space in LA for the underground. There's not, there's this like weird underground, you know, where it's people feel like, okay, it's not what everybody listens to on the radio, but real, real underground places, uh, they don't really exist that much here, I feel. I, it's so, some parties every now and then, uh, I go and I'm like, okay, oh, this is it. But there's not a stable scene for that, I think, in-house music. Techno, I believe it's more popping. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think that's um, to do with purely the the time that the scene has been around here? Or do you think it's to do with where we are um, or something else? I think, and I was specifically talking about house, I think it's because, you know, I've been coming here since... First years was probably 2008, 2009. Like a dance scene did not really exist. The term EDM did not even exist. It was a cool kids thing. And it was the first Tiva Oki scene in space. 
that kind of that kind of scene, but it didn't really exist. So you have, I don't think I'm not complaining because it's 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 remarkable actually that it, it grew so fast because it, it went from zero to something. Yeah, but, it's really thriving right now for sure. Yeah. So I'm what I'm saying is like it's exciting times where you can there's even like more space to do more underground stuff that's credible and there's an audience for it. They're ready, and uh, yeah. My point was not really like a criticism of the state. It's like, I don't think there is yet, but there is space for real underground to thrive. And I don't understand when people complain about the not so underground stuff that's going on because it's like, well, you know what? That space, you can do the underground stuff. And and people will come, I think. And uh, so I, I think long story short, there's a lot of uh, growth possible for the underground in LA still. Like I, I really agree with you. And it didn't come across as negative. It, it is a, it's a legitimate observation of the scene. And uh, I think one of the things that I noticed when I moved to LA is just the volume of top flight talent that come through the town every single week. So it kind of went from zero to fully established in a very yeah. short amount of time. And it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't built off an underground, but yeah. an underground is is developing in reaction to this more above ground scene that's going on, which is quite exciting and and interesting and, and is but you're right, it's a fertile ground for new talent to emerge in LA for sure. Yeah. And you have to kinda nurture it probably and, and be a bit consistent. You know, one of my favorite guys here um, they're not from LA really, but uh, you know the focus, focus people. Uh huh. So I, I think they also have like a really interesting way to do it because you know they're a Tuesday, and especially now because so many people come through the LA, and and they are they literally have been doing. Uh, they have a funny shirt like we've been doing house since you called it techno. Which is kind of real, <laughs> you know. I respect them a lot. They've been doing a hundred percent house night in Orange County since uh, ten years, and ten years ago, I don't even know how they could do it. But it, it, it's funny to see that now, you know, Riva Star was staying at my place the other week, and um, what I'm gonna, what I was, I meant to say is like people respect those things, and and even bigger DJs that would go for that underground party that has a soul and and is credible because at the end of the day it yeah the, the, i feel most issues who come from the underground kind of respects it and and it's and of course that's what attracted all of those people to the industry in the first place it wasn't yeah. from a, it wasn't as a, as a goal to be in the music industry it was because something spoke to their soul at these parties and everybody's on the hunt. Everybody needs to pay their bills and wants legitimacy and all of that stuff. And at the same time, are constantly on the hunt for that fix of that vibe and that soulful party, which started the whole thing in the first place. You want both, don't you? Oh, yes. I mean, one part of you is saying, well, this is my job and, and you know, 
I should not be just like, oh man, I only want to play this like dark club with sweaty walls and and which is like I think what every underground DJ always. That's the best situation. You know, you can be in a uh, ten thousand, fifteen thousand or more uh, people festival. And that's a different experience. But what really makes you go home and smile is if you destroy the little like sweaty dark club. Um, Sorry, I lost myself a bit. What was the, what was the? Well, we're talking about you know the the hunt for the soulful oh. party versus you know that I was just saying that that is the reason why all of the like people like Reva Star, who we now know as this massive uh, brand, but you know people like him and you name them, you know the you know the early guys like Sasha and Digweed and all those yeah. guys. It was all about it was they weren't huge, you know. Uh, yeah. I've I've seen I've seen Carl Cox play a room of fifty people. I'm loving it. Yes, that's yes, that's I think you can tell when people because I've seen both reactions, and I think the real ones like the Carl Cox, that even A Track ones, different style. But I've seen him playing. I don't know. I was in Lisbon on Wednesday. Right. Not many people at somebody's wish to hip hop. I was screaming every song he played, but anyway, by having fun, you're like, oh, okay, you love what you do, you know, you know. And on the other hand, I've seen superstars kind of like cutting their set short, being like, hey, do you want to jump on? It's like, it's just 200 people. I'm gonna go. I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? Why? Also, you're getting paid a lot of money anyway. Yeah. Really, so yeah. At that point, what difference? Like, enjoy yourself. Yeah, and that again, my very long story and the conclusion is, I think to keep your your passion alive, you gotta DJ those gigs that make you really happy. Every now and then, it's it's kind of therapy. It reminds you why you're doing it, how to do it, actually in a different way. Because if you start just catering for festival crowds. Which, not gonna lie, I had like a bit of an experience in that and I had to like stop a moment and be like, what am I doing? I'm trying to just cater. I wasn't trying to like select stuff that hopefully people liked. I was just like, oh, people would like this. Oh, yeah, they would like this too. More than like, now I'm back without going also back more to house, which like was my first love anyway. It's... I really love playing, DJing again a lot because now I'm like, I'm just playing my favorite tunes, which should, that should be it. And this, and this happened to you mid set? No, 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 this happened. No, no, this was a a phase with Crookers. I was like, why am I trying? I was trying to cater more to people. Then we stopped for other reasons, but restarting now and just doing house music i found myself thinking like wow i'm playing my favorite tunes again and i didn't for a few years like what was i thinking so it was the realization and i I think playing these underground places keep that more present in your brain that you are the happiest and the more effective when you play what you like and not what you think people would like, which is what a lot of people do when they start playing these giant festival stages. 
they kind of like try to only to think what's gonna make a big bang you know and they prepare all the sets i still to this day don't really prepare maybe because i'm lazy and um i don't even record box to be honest people hate that do you record you, box you don't use record box no so you just have um just a, a whole bunch of files on your on so, your flash drive yeah. and then you just find just them have, and use them i have folders with the name of the city i'm in and uh you know halfway through the analyzing they usually stop and uh, but it's still easier than DJ. I grew up with vinyl. Me too. It's still easier than DJ. They're, they're right. They're just there. Oh man, I just sold some and I regretted it instantly. I've played with a couple of people who also uh, find their tracks that way. I, I, it really doesn't matter, does it? As long as you understand your organization, that's the main thing, isn't it? For me, yes. But I, I see how it's uh, it's painful for other people if they back to back with you because sometimes. <laughs> Oh, because they can't see what's ha where your track's going. Yes. Sometimes it just stops loading. I don't know really why. Yeah. And um, But at the end of the day, with vinyl, it was kind of the same. You could more or less see when it's ending. If the light was good, maybe you can see where the breakdown is. But right. Maybe. But I, I guess it's just laziness. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do it. You're going to try it? Yeah. It's so easy to use. It does make life a lot, a lot. Well, it's also good because you, you can get a little bit of that. I mean, I, when I was when I was just playing vinyl, I knew I knew the record by what it looked like. Yeah. As soon as I saw the cover, I knew what that track was. I knew what which side it was on and everything. Whereas now you're having to remember names which is, I think, a little bit harder because it's not as visual. Oh, yeah. Um, and Rekordbox, the nice thing about that is that it gives you, it's, it can pop up the visual label, so it can start to do, get, give you a little bit of that back, which is nice. So, because oh, nice. um, my, my problem is, uh, is remembering, you know, especially if you're getting a lot of promos in, you know, a lot of new things, that oh, they're yeah. not for they're not as in terms of the you know the sound you heard it you felt it but you don't necessarily know what it's called unless you've studied it and remembered it uh, you know? yeah. i'm having exactly that problem i'm i'm listening to tracks while djing sometimes exactly like, what was this wait what was the break uh, <laughs> yeah and i and i spend yeah no i should do it mostly because of that because i spent too much time trying to find the tunes like, right is it? <laughs> yeah. And then I pop another USB and it's here. So, yeah. yeah. So one thing I've noticed about you, Bot, uh, based purely on um, your Twitter feed, is your work ethic. You appear to be really relentless is the best word I can think of in terms of your getting in the studio and committing to creating something on a daily basis. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your production process. I think a lot of emerging producers can take a lot from how you approach the, the working day as, as a creative. I think it's kind of inspiring how hard you go at it. Um, well, thank you. 
Um, well, take all the credit. Yeah, I have an incredible work ethic and I'm very disciplined. No. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, I don't really know what to do with myself without if I'm not making music. And uh, this is a bit weird for me to say because, and I could lie about it, but I'm not gonna. Because uh, I come from like playing an instrument. So as a kid, uh, I was like music, so it was more the the idea of playing the instrument, I guess. So I asked to play, the, you know, the piano because as a kid I like classical music. But uh, so I, me myself, I was never great at practicing so much. But because I also think like the way I was taught piano is like very, you know conservatory thing I do solpeggio and have to read like some just classical music so I wasn't like studying very much and then I went into guitar into electric guitar because I was into metal and um, did that so for me it was always like if you're a musician you do that thing the whole day what are you doing otherwise you know that's your job and uh, coming from being around people playing instruments so much uh, it was pretty clear if you have if you want to get good you have to exercise at least eight hours a day six eight twelve fourteen the crazy people did you know all day long yeah I, do, I don't understand a lot and some people hate me for that I guess because like I really understand the inspiration thing and people think like oh I'm a writer like, like waiting for the inspiration to strike yeah. What are you waiting for? Just go and, and sit down because so many days and, you know, I, I'm not obnoxious, you know, uh, I don't know the word. Anyway, I understand the feeling, you know, sometimes I am also wake up. I'm like, we have nothing. In me. I have nothing. And, but, you know, I still sit down and uh, try to do something. And sometimes those days are great because after two, three hours, you're there and something clicks and they're like, I got it. Great. And uh, it's a bit in that maybe I have the discipline driven by the fact that so many times where I wasn't feeling it, something good happened. And even if something good doesn't happen, you get better. Like you should take it as I'm exercising my instrument, you know, to play the guitar really well. You have to exercise every day and it doesn't mean that you will create a good piece of guitar but you will be better at playing the guitar and being better at producing. There's nothing. You will always learn something. You know, if you don't feel like making a song, try to make kick drums one day, to watch tutorials about stuff that you always wondered about. That's if I don't know you, but you know, I'm been doing this since music in a way since forever. And to this day, I'm, I still, learn jaw-dropping things that you know and if i was maybe um today i'm not feeling it let me go and find inspiration at the beach i wouldn't have learned that so i don't want to be the guy like oh you have to work all the time but also it's the realization like really do we feel like this is work do i feel like i need to take time off from making music, which I was making anyway, because it was my hobby when I had other stuff to do, or maybe 
you know, I worked in an office for some time and I would still make music at night and, and it's difficult. And uh, so, I don't know, it's just also like realizing the blessings and, and the luck that you have to be able to do music every day. And uh, it would feel just kind of wrong to not do that. It, to me, it makes no sense that I wouldn't be here all day, every day. I don't understand how that would make any sense. I have, I have, pers I personally have a few different strands to um, being an artist. You know, I, I uh, I've been an actor for so many years, and um, that must be even more difficult than. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, for me, like I, I DJed, um, you know, before I was an actor, uh, and then I just decided to concentrate on that. But I'm also a writer as well, and you know, and Sorry. some and sometimes, you know, I think one of the misconceptions about being an artist is exactly what you've just been talking about, which is that you have to be inspired to make art. But a, a, the best artists that I know, whatever their discipline might be. They just show up yeah. every day. They show up, whether that's to your computer or your canvas or um, wh whatever it is that you're preparing for, or it, it can be anything, but you've got to just keep showing up. I'm just going to quote Picasso here that says, Go. Picasso said, inspiration has to find you working. It's a great quote. Show up, and then the inspiration will come, but show up every day and and i think there's a lack in what you do i think and i'm trying to do the same with music in different ways that you have three creative jobs and you can kind of switch that's also good i feel i do that with switching projects i don't think it's healthy to do eight ten hours on one thing i think that's actually unhealthy i try to never work on one thing only during one day so even having different creative outputs, that's also a good thing. You know, like when when you think something's not working, but you're sure you move to something else and then you go back. And usually when you go back, you have a, a clearer mind and you can judge it. You can be like, you can even trash things. I love trashing things, by the way. When, yeah. when I'm no, this is, you know, let's not lose any more time. It's not going anywhere, but you need to just, to get away for a little bit. And that's, I do it with working on many different projects and I do also rap stuff. But yeah, also if, if you have three different uh, branches of being creative, that's also like really good and healthy. By being, you can work the whole day and, and still don't obsess on one thing only because that's the one thing that went, went, cause when I talk, sometimes people think like, oh, you stay, you know, 12 hours on one thing and I can't stress it enough. That's actually, I don't think it's good. Don't I think do one thing, like be working the whole day, but branch out, go back to something else. And that, that at least for the way my brain works is very, very healthy. I think that's great advice. Um, and recently you have been giving back as well. You, you've done, I think maybe you've done two masterclasses at IO Academy in, yeah, in Hollywood. I've done one, um, 
one master class, I think, and one something else. And and I I O Music Academy is run by Adam, who is one half of Yaluka, yeah, who yeah. who I'm making some tracks with right now. But also oh, they I might uh, have heard them. <laughs> uh, you might have done, yeah. And they're but they're releasing. And I sent I sent to Adam some feedback, and he sends to me sometimes. Yeah, he, they're, they're, yeah. they're they're a super talented uh, couple of lads, and and yeah. they um and they're also um they released on understated as well so um but what how important is that to you right now giving back to uh, emerging talent i think you know the second one was paid so i got even paid you know it's not great money but if, if there's any money i'm happy the best thing i think when i did the, the first is when you can see in someone's eyes like yeah i just save you like two three years of trying stuff that would not work because i would love the good thing about doing that i think i try to say things that i would love somebody told me because you know i grew up in uh in italy which is not the world but it's not like for electronic music it wasn't that great and people tend to keep their secrets and um I feel it took me too long to figure out some things that were that shouldn't some person can just tell. And and the first one I did for Adam was just for fun and and I saw that and so I was like, "Oh, wow." And talking about the workshop, so I was like, "Okay, I, I really want to prepare one because and I did one on, on the low end." And a lot it's like about the kick and bass mixing, which sounds that stupid, but it's it's the most difficult thing still to this day, probably, even if it got way easier. And uh, yeah, the, I think the drive is like, I don't really believe in, in secrets of production. At the end of the day, they, mean, they don't mean much. Uh, it's about the song you make, but like, they can hold people back. And if you can help someone who maybe could do a great song, not to hold back by just telling them what you learned. I, they're I never, they're never going to make the same thing as you anyway. So No, exactly. People are afraid of that. No, you're just giving someone the tools to create someone something on their own. And you're just being childish if you want to keep them from people because you think that there will be the competition. That, that I don't really like as a way of thinking and I think should work towards the opposite just share whatever you know because people will do something different and then that's what I what I always did too when people told me how to do things then you apply them to your way of working and you create something different and interesting and music is, a, is more of a collective uh, effort I feel there's not a lot of people like tend to think that there are these great artists who invented all their stuff. Some people are very unique and that's amazing. But it's it's more of a collective pro progression, I feel. And the more you share, the, the, the better for music. There's, there's no, it, it's just rational, obvious thing. The more knowledge is available to everyone, the better the, the output will be. And I love that. That generosity of spirit is, is you know, spoken like a true artist. Now, uh, it, it, it benefits everyone. That's the thing. It's it's also like, it's not even being generous. It's just, it's 
the best way to do it. It's rationally the most efficient way to do it. Do you feel like you're finally making the music you've always wanted to make right now? No. No, but that's exciting. I think I'm I'm just starting to get there. Meaning, you know, maybe meaning like if, if I have to do, if I do a club track, maybe yes, I'm getting there, but I don't think I'm there. And, uh, but the exciting thing is I want to try to make songs too. And it doesn't need to be like pop songs. You know, I, I also want to try to make house songs, but they make sense. And uh, no, I, I think not even close actually, but that's, that's, that's really nice. You know, recently, if I have to give props to something that really reminded me of how I, it's it's so cool that we can learn so much more, even after decades. Uh, I was listening to, there's this podcast called Dissect, which somebody's dissecting um, whole albums and whole songs. And, you know, one episode he was dissecting this Frank Ocean song and Talking about chords progression, about how like stuff that is dissonant in specific ways can um, sound very good, and it's the the reason why we actually get goosebumps physically. Uh, that's an an example to explain how there's so much really kind of even essential stuff that you don't know after many many years. And I've seen that even working with people who are way more experienced than me. And you ex you teach them something. And I'm like, oh my God, you didn't know that? You? And I don't know. That, that for me is really refreshing. It makes me think this can go on forever. You can be 85 and still be like, oh, I didn't know that. Great. Let me try to incorporate it. And that's so like, uh, driving, I don't know if it's the right word, motivating. I think that's so true. I mean, you're, you know, that's how you evolve, isn't it? Is that you always keep the mind of a learner. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you also keep the, yeah, the motivation. Because then you want to go there and be like, wait, let me, let me try to do that. What was the chord progression with the bass doing a dissonant note that I would have never thought, but now you know it opens a whole new world there's all these uh, little things that then that can open so much more uh and that makes it exciting also if you don't feel like doing a song maybe this morning you're still excited to be sitting there and knowing i can learn something new that's actually gonna maybe potentially blow my mind i mean that's not so common but potentially made me make me a bit excited about trying new things and and keep doing it and it yeah it's the biggest blessing you know when, when people complain about the music industry but i was like i don't know man have you ever worked in a corporate environment <laughs> <laughs> or, or with movies right exactly. like, we got it we got it pretty good and, i think that, i think that's absolutely true um, so what's, what's coming up for you that you're excited about? Um, what's going on? So, um, well, 
my my release whatever reason will come before you this goes up well i was uh i'm excited about having released the main course holiday pack which is kind of like we we release like free tracks from many people some of those are bootlegs and rest of in this holiday pack i have two one original of mine that i always loved but i didn't know where to send it to and this year i was like you know what i finalized it finally I'm like let's just put it up and then this morning i just finished a bootleg of brandy and monica the boy's mine oh cool a house version of that which will go there my next release is with uh, i have a single on just learned how to say it realm uh with uh i would say realm <laughs> it's such a great label though isn't it yeah they're killing it uh i just was looking today my homie pirupa who had like a number one on there he just signed with island records and uh some, something else off of realm single but i have a single there with uh, vanessa it's called what i want it's been premiered i think last this sunday by one stroke on his third bird on his birdhouse podcast. great congratulations thanks and then i'm working on more house stuff with uh this motherfucker here where you are stuck there he is and that's sandy rivera i was starstruck he came here riva also riva is if you think i'm have work ethic you should see that guy riva is just he never stopped he was here it's like send the river in the morning can you like you know two sessions finishing tracks just never stopped so he's also an inspiration of mine to be honest did you know each other from uh italy no not from italy really he was already living in London and um but you know we had common friends in London uh so we started going there to play you know 2005 6 he was already living there but he was in in between projects because he came from a breakbeat project called Maddox so he was changing just start with Riva Star we were already like doing well and he started Riva Star and um I don't know. He's one of the nicest people I know in the scene. To me, too, is very helpful. He gives me advice. He tells me that my house is too American and sounds like electro all the time. <laughs> but I appreciate that. And uh, and it's meant with love, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm a, you know, it's like I think like British people, so you can go to tell each other, go fuck yourself with a smile and it's a loving, go fuck yourself. You know? Of course. And uh, so, yeah, no. He, yeah, he's very, very, I don't know how I went on a tangent on him now. Don't remember what the original question was. Neither do I, but that's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he's, you know, and I, I got to know Sandy Rivera when he was here because he was doing a track with him and he came, who was a, uh, Another great artist. What, what? Yeah, wrote one of my favorite um, songs, house song classics ever. I think Kings of Finally, Kings of Tomorrow Finally. 
And I believe he sang it because he sings and then somebody. Really? Yeah, because with the, I don't know if it's secret information. Maybe just for you, but I think because when he did the song with Riva, he sings on it. You know, it's a bit maybe off key, but it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's a cool. song. So I think it's like he sings and then he has someone else who sings like proper, but he doesn't. You know, he doesn't have a, a diva voice, but he actually writes the lyrics. So that. That's also something I would like to learn. I'd probably take me another you know, 15 years, but that's cool. <laughs> that's that's how I write almost everything I do is I sing it first and then I find it. That's cool. That's how I work. That's my I, only way. I heard a lot of people, some duos, I don't think I can say, but yeah, I feel like a lot of people, it's like many times also when they're duos, like one, person like oh i'm just like something like, i'm that guy yeah <laughs> and you're always like oh, okay yeah and yeah that's to be honest that sometimes without that input there's no song it can be the, the the input that makes the song and and i believe that's a good way i cannot do it very well because my voice is like i think it's on something i recorded and i listened the other day i was like what was it meaning I don't remember, but there's nothing as versatile as the voice. It's best thing in the world. <laughs> it's the and, one instrument I have control over personally. Yeah. Yeah. And now if it's clear enough, you can try to translate it to me. Maybe it doesn't work very well. So when can we see you playing next? So next uh, I'm playing in uh, the one that I remember is in LA. At Sound Nightclub, um, December 27th. I'm gonna play before Walker and Royce, and should be pretty. Wow, that's gonna be a hot night in there. Yeah, and I like that they go, they go quite late now. Um, so and sound system is pretty good. So yeah, really, pretty, it is pretty and good. Yeah, family. Yeah, I like having old friends. You should come. Are you here or are you back in? I'll now? be there. I'll be there. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Bot. And um, uh, Bot has also done an incredible guest mix for us, which is coming up right now. And we will see you soon, Bot. Thanks very much. It's amazing, man. Peace. Peace. guest mix.
You're listening to the Understated Recording Podcast, LA Underground.
song of peace, sing a song of happiness. House was our light of day, and it shined on our souls. Three o'clock in the morning, on and on and on and on and on.
understated LA. That's all we've got time for on this, the final LA Underground episode of 2019. Understated Presents LA Underground will be back in the new year and we will kick off with an interview and guest mix from Silver. So from everybody at Understated, have a wonderful holiday season and we can't wait to see you on the understated dance floor in 2020. Happy New Year. See ya.